Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, it's an enormous understatement to say there's plenty happening in Australian cricket right now. Our men are under the pump in India. The women, they're killing it in South Africa. There's ongoing memorandum of understanding negotiations and the inaugural Women's Premier League is on the horizon, followed, of course, by a highly anticipated Ashes series in England this European summer. The Australian uh, Crickets Association CEO is Todd Greenberg. Todd, good morning and a big welcome to SEN. Sam, thanks for having me. You're right, there is... Plenty happening in cricket, both here and abroad. So uh, we've got a few challenges on our hands, but it's all going well. And I know you, you spent a lot of time on the phone. I imagine the conversations you're having with our women at the moment is a fair bit different from the one that you might be having with the men. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty self-evident. There's no doubt about that. The, the boys in India have had a couple of tough test matches. And so we're really hoping they can get a few days off at the moment because this is the biggest gap between the second and third test for them to sort of get a bit of a breather and hopefully regroup for the third test. And on the other side, over in South Africa, the girls have got now the two biggest games, hopefully, um, of the tournament semi-final, if they can play well into the final. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little different, but um, this is what it's about. This is the challenge about playing the world's best. And there's no doubt we went in with our eyes open in India to play mm. against this team. You know, they're a phenomenal side in India in their conditions. I mean, I think I saw this stat yesterday. I think they've only lost two of the last, 43 tests India that have played at home. So, yep. you know, there's, there's never going to be an easy assignment, but certainly we haven't played our best. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and so many of us are drawn to everything about this tour at the moment. Uh, the preparation, the selection, the injuries, the method, the strokes, the, the shot selection, everything. And yesterday we, we learned that Josh Hazelwood's leaving to recover from injury. Of course, David Warner might follow him, uh, Todd. Pat Cummins obviously, unfortunately, has, has to make a flying visit home. For personal reasons, Steve Smith might be out of the country. I mean, what role... Does, does the ACA play when it comes to this sort of movement in tour, if any? Oh, look, I'd like to think that what we do is we're there to sort of help bridge that gap and support between us and the governing body. I mean, we're all aligned in trying to get the best out of the players and ensure they get well looked after. Um, and you're right, all of those players' names you just raised have got different individual challenges, whether they're personal or injuries. And, you know, I mean, I... I was at the MCG only a week ago and I was there watching the Shield game between Queensland and Victoria and Matt Kuhneman was bowling as a third change bowler for Queensland and then, you know, within a week he's opening the bowling for Australia. I mean, these mm. these changes that are being made at the moment in real time uh, are quite phenomenal and that's why I think it has captured the interest in a lot of ways. There's names and players that haven't been seen broadly by the general public and there's a great fascination with this series for for the challenges that we're going to confront. And ultimately, we will be defined as a team by how we how we come back from those challenges. And, and we mentioned the women in South Africa and they're chasing history there. I mean, and then the WPL, which we'll get to in a moment. So for men and women, I mean, this unrelenting schedule, I mean, is this is this a new norm now, Todd? I mean, the genie's out of the bottle, seemingly. Look, it is the new norm. Um, and some of that's good and some of that's a real challenge. I mean, the, the one part that I see is the challenge, and I've said this before, when I've spoken to Jared on your program is that I see in the next five to 10 years, uh, almost impossible for players to be three format players, either male or female. And, you know, it's going to be very difficult for players, both physically. And I think 
equally mentally to cope with the demands of the schedule to play all three formats. And those increasing demands are, are more and more, and the schedule we're looking at the next 12 months sort of highlights that. And, and that's and that's okay. We just need to be a realisation of that, and we'll need to have specialty built into how we deal with players and contracts. But, you know, the next 12 months, particularly with our women playing two test matches, one against England over there and then India at home and, you know, all of the test matches the men will play. Uh, I mean, this is probably the peak of interest for cricket in this next period of time. It's going to be wonderful, but it's going to be bloody hard too. Yeah, and this MOU is obviously a huge piece of work between yourselves and Cricket Australia and, and affects so much in and around the game. How's it, how's it progressing at the moment, Todd? Well, things are chipping away nicely. I mean, the fact that you're not reading about it in the newspaper and seeing about, you know, what's going on is a good thing, I think. Because, is it? You know, the, uh, well, it is for us, put it that way. It may not yeah. be for the rich content of some of our uh, fans, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the sort of deal that should be done behind closed doors. And, mm. you know, it's not easy because we're, we're going to sign a deal that will go an extended period of time. And I'm not sure if anyone's got a crystal ball forecast of what cricket may look like in the next five years. So trying to confront some of those challenges inside the revenue share model is important. But, you know, we've said this consistently. The players are partners in the game. Uh, it's incumbent on the players to ensure they help grow the game. So I think that's, you know, very, very important and, and a big factor in these conversations we're having. Now, again, without um, sort of breaching, you know, the need to, to keep state secrets in-house, what, what do you think the most important pillar is in it? Well, I think that what was debated last time heavily was whether or not the revenue share model was the right model for the game. And I can tell you with certainty that we're past that threshold. I think everybody, state associations, the players and the game itself as a governing body all believe that the revenue share is the right model for the game. And that was tested during the COVID years and the game responded well. And so I think that does align the interests of players. It ensures that when I sit with players face-to-face, you know, we can have genuine discussions about how do we help grow it and, that helps players because clearly they get remunerated by growth, but also grassroots and the rest of the game can be well looked after with a growing commercial model. So I think that's the the fundamental pillar of why the MOU will be successful. Would there be more, you know, you were speaking earlier around the three formats, more fair to assume there'd be more central contracts. I mean, going back, it was about a decade ago now, they were cut from something like 25 to 17. Has world cricket changed whereby we need more now? Can you see that happening as part of the MOU? Yeah, I can see that happening um, and I can see that being challenged by different formats and, you know, longevity of players' careers and, and also equally the global challenges that have come about where, you know, let's face it, players have significant choice globally to play in other tournaments So, and the earning capacity for those players is significant and that wasn't there maybe 10 years ago. It certainly wasn't there for women 12 months ago but it is now with the advent of the, the WPL. So... You know, those are other complexities that go into trying to build a model that safeguards cricket domestically here in this country. Yeah, and as an extension of that, I suppose, Todd, the, the BBL and its salary cap, I mean, again, is it fair to assume that that is going to increase to, I guess, protect clubs um, in an increasingly crowded T20 marketplace? And do they need that help and the competition too? Absolutely, they do. Yeah, I mean, I've said on record a number of times the success of the BBL will be determined by the quality of the players that play in it. And we need, in any sports league anywhere in the world, uh, the success is all about having the best players playing in those tournaments. Um, That's not happening by chance in the EPL and other tournaments all over the world. And the BBL is no different. We want the very best players playing. And to do that, both Australian domestic players and international players, we've got to be competitive with other leagues around the world. And 
let's face it, it is for male and female players. I mean, you know, the 100 in the UK, um, there's South African League, there's the Emirates League, there's mm. obviously the, the Indian IPL League. These are, you know, global competitors and we've got to make sure we keep pace. And so we're very conscious of that. Obviously, the length of the season's debated each and every year throughout the season as well. Now, it's going to be shortened, obviously, when, when the new TV rights deal kicks in. But there's a year to run on the existing arrangement, obviously, Todd. I mean, could you foresee a shortening of the season as early as next season, even with the complexities of, of the final year of that existing TV rights deal? Or is that just all going to be a bit too hard? Look, I think there's a good runway for those conversations to be had between the governing body at Cricket Australia and the, the broadcasters. So... My understanding is those conversations are underway um, and we'll, we'll be active participants in that conversation and we've got a very open mind to that. You know, the players have been very supportive of reducing the content and trying to find almost a level of scarcity because there is a lot of cricket um, and, and sometimes scarcity can be your friend, not your enemy. So uh, we're happy to have those conversations and, you know, we'll be guided a little bit on those conversations between the broadcasters and Cricket Australia. But again, the players are leaning in to be active participants here because... You know, we want to help grow the game and do what's best long-term for the game. Uh, you mentioned the WPL, the inaugural auction. That was a, a defining, well, another defining moment for women's cricket. 14 Aussies picked up. They'll earn close to $2.5 Australian dollars for the three-week tournament, which is which is on next month. So it's going to come upon us pretty quickly. Nine of these players have deals exceeding $100,000, Todd. Obviously, uh, Ashley Gardner, Beth Mooney, some some big earners here. I mean, how did you see the uh, the inaugural auction? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, it wasn't just game-changing for some of our players, it was life-changing, mm. you know, for some of our, our female players. I mean, one of the teams, I think from memory, the Giants, they invested more money in the Australians than they did in Indian players. Um, you know, they bought Ash Gardner for more than half a million dollars and Beth Mooney for 300 plus And, you know, I mean, outside of, I think, one of the teams invested more in Australian women than any other nation. So... You know, it's it's amazing. We've got Australians in all the lists. Um, as you said, 14 of them picked up. And, you know, nine of those players will have deals, you know, beyond $100,000 for, for this tournament. I mean, it's just such a game-changing, life-changing moment for female cricketers and then a sign of the times for female athletes all over the world. So, you know, we think this is a good outcome and a, a return on investment in some respects for Australian cricket because mm. over the last 10 to 15 years, you know, we've played a very strategic mindset. I'd like to think that the ACA in the previous MOU back in 2017 advocated strongly for gender equity and a model that was a landmark at the time. And I think we're seeing that now generating, you know, interest globally. I think it's a great thing for women's cricket. It's a great thing for women's sport. Hasn't that investment paid off? I think at the time, though, wasn't it, Todd? That was the largest pay increase in the history of women's sport in the country. It was. That's right. It was groundbreaking at the time. And, you know... It, it takes a long-term strategic mindset to play the long game to get these results. And, and I see the other sports now wondering about whether, you know, they should be investing. And the, the only conversation should be how much are we investing and how much more can we do? Because, you know, this is the future of sport, um, making sure that we give our female athletes opportunities to thrive and be professional and be the best they can be. And, you know, cricket deserves huge um, applause for that, for the people who are no longer there, who invested in this, you know, 10 and 15 years ago. Um, and, you know, the ACA, way before I joined them, secured this gender equity model. And, and that was groundbreaking. And, you know, we're starting to see this happen now. It's not an overnight success. It's taken a long period of time with some strategic minds at play 
to do that. And and I think we can get bigger and better still. We're speaking to ACA uh, CEO Todd Greenberg. Todd, should Cricket Australia be, you know, there's some certain series that stand alone. The Ashes are certainly one. India over here is another. But should Cricket Australia be somewhat concerned over the fact that people just don't seem to want to go and watch cricket like they used to, if we're using the most recent summer as an example, particularly in the long format? Is that something that, that we should be concerned about? Oh, I think we should all share that concern, you know, in a in a society and a generation coming that, you know, love everything and TikTok mm. and snap bites, you know. Um, it's no surprise that sitting there watching five days of test cricket will be a challenge. But uh, I don't think that's a challenge we can't overcome if we work together. I still see a place for test cricket. Uh, I think we have to think about long-term how we market and promote that um, and how we use the players as part of that. But... You know, also, we've got to make sure that Test Cricket is competitive against more than just a couple of nations. We've got to make sure that the West Indies and South Africa and other nations, you know, Pakistan, can be really, really competitive when they tour because ultimately what Australian fans love nothing more is a contest. Clearly, they want the Aussies to win, but they want to see us in a battle. And that's why this Indian series <laughs> is capturing imaginations. Is why the Ashes will be something that will be so sought after people to watch. We want to watch competitive cricket and I think that's really important in the battle for Test Cricket in the future. And just before we let you go, just on this Indian tour then, a lot of the talk on this program this morning, Todd, has been about, you know, the coming and goings of the players, the players, players leaving mid-tour, even even between tests to come back, which is obviously far from ideal. How do you read this? I guess the balance between what are professional elite-level sports, but also these guys are, are husbands and uh, their fathers in many cases. They've got their own life responsibilities, this, this, I guess, ongoing wrestle between team harmony and the, and the realities of, of life? Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. When you, when you look at the schedule for these players, they literally uh, are not spending too many nights at home with their families, and that's really difficult. So the gap between the second and third test was always going to be a large gap. It was always planned for players to have certain breaks. And, you know, it's not like we have to jump on a ship and spend three months travelling to England these days. You know, you can jump on a plane to be home and, 16 or 18 hours. So I think there has to be the reality of if you get the best out of the players on the field, they've got to make sure they're well looked after off the field. And so a refreshing break, a couple of days here, opportunity to see family, you know, to re-energise is super important because not only have we got to get through the next two tests in India, uh, we've got hopefully a World Test Championship to win at some point in uh, the mid part of June. And then we've got a five-test Ashes series. So... Mm. We don't want to peak right this minute. We've got to make sure we get the best out of our players. And your travel plans? I think you're heading over to India at some stage and maybe to South Africa as well. I am. I'm, I'm not heading to South Africa. Unfortunately, I can't get that in. But I am heading over to India for the last test match in Ahmedabad. Right. And then I am going to stay on for a period of time to see some of the women's IPL or the WPL games Brilliant. in person. So I'm really looking forward to that and, um, and, and seeing it in action and seeing what the, the engagement is, particularly in India. So... People tell me if you've uh, if you've watched cricket and you love it, you haven't really seen it until you've watched a game in India. So this will be my first experience. Always great to talk to you, Todd. I mean, you're right at the coalface of it. It is a, it is a fascinating time in world cricket, uh, men and women. We appreciate you finding some time for us this morning. Anytime. No problems. Cheers. Thanks for having me. There's Todd Greenberg there, the Australian Cricketers Association CEO, joining us on the line. There are so many texts pouring through this morning, but we are overdue for the news massively. So I've parked those texts. We'll get to them on the other side of these headlines. Thanks to Anna Pavlik.